0: prophet Isaiah lived in troubling time. Shortly after the death of King Solomon, around year 930 before Christ, a series of divisions arises among the Hebrew leadership. At the center of the issue were the ten tribes of the north who refused to submit to Rehobam, and revolted. A safe consequence of that revolt and the impossibility for the Hebrew little ship to reach any agreement. The kingdom was divided into the southern kingdom, known as Judah, and the northern kingdom, known as Israel. The Israelites formed their capital in Samaria while the Judeans kept Jerusalem as their capital. That was the beginning of the end of the empire King Solomon built. The Hebrew empire eventually collapses. Within a century of Solomon's death, the kingdoms of Israel and Judah were left as tiny states with most of the peoples scattered and cities and the ruins due in part to the effectiveness, disobedience, and corruptions of their kings and other leaders, and in part to the attacks of the Syrians and Babylonians' forces. Now, allow me to make a parenthesis here, just for a second to remind us of something Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. I will return to the prophet Isaiah real soon. (laughs) Due to the success of Jesus' preaching and healing ministry, people would be looking for him wherever he went. In some occasions. The crowd was so big and the need so great that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. So, during a visit Jesus and his disciples paid to Jesus' own town, some people, including members of Jesus' own family, start saying that Jesus has gone out of his mind. Then, scribes In an attempt to take advantage of this situation and to undermine Jesus' authority said to the people that Jesus was casting out demons with the help of Beelzebul. And to that Jesus replied, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. The scribes and those around them knew exactly what Jesus meant when he said that. They understood Jesus wasn't just talking about spiritual power, struggles, and divisions among themselves, but also about the divisions that happened at the heart of human societies, whether these societies are families, communities, or nations. They were aware of the story of their own nation and how divisions brought them down to a precarious situation that includes foreign powers, invasions, destructions of entire cities, and exiles and dispersion of their own people. Based on that knowledge, they understood that the fruit of division is no other but chaos and destruction in any human project. Divisions have the power to destroy the progress and dreams of any human society. So when in a nation like ours we say, united we stand, we know the weight of these words for our present and for our future. Now well, let me get back to Jeremiah to Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah's prophetical career covers most of the second half of the eight centuries before Christ. His ministerial work happens during the reigns of Judean kings Uzziah, Jotan, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah, as he is suggested in the first verse of the first chapter of the book that bears his name in the Old Testament. The prophet provides that information at the very beginning of the book. His own words, the vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Isaiah. Jotham, Aha, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Immediately after that, in the second verse of chapter one, he starts outlining that vision. And he says, Hear, O heavens, and listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. The next set of words reveal a challenging God that is ready to call out the sins of his people. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me," writes the prophet. And then he goes on and offers a long list of the unfaithfulness committed by the people of Judea and Jerusalem. However, around halfway of the chapter, first chapter, the prophet indicates that God's interest is not so much about condemnation and punishment, but about sitting around the table and opening up a path for reconciliation with his people. That is what God says through the prophet. Come, let us talk it of it. Let us talk it out. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Through that vision given to Isaiah, God is outlining a process through which his people can regain stability and reconstruct the old glory of the kingdom of Solomon. But for that, the people of Judah and Jerusalem must commit to walk in the ways of God and repent and return. Now we have learned that that this vision was not limited to the people of the ancient Israel. That is an universal vision that includes all God's creation and transcends by much the historic, geographic, and cultural context of the prophet Isaiah and the people of his time. The entire mission of the prophet Isaiah, then, was to help the people of his time to keep the course of that vision. And in doing so, the prophet also laid a safe legacy, the foundations for future generations to keep track of God's ultimate dream for all humankind. To live in peace and to be united as a people living under the kingship of God. The advent reminds us of that of the kind of spiritual preparation needed and the ambient we need to create in order for us to continue with God and with one another, building that apocalyptical vision of the new heavens and new earth, of which the prophet Isaiah speaks on chapter 65 of his book. In chapter 6, Isaiah, now speaking in first person, tells of another vision the prophet says that he saw the lord sitting on a throne in the company of seraphs that one of the seraphs flew unto him and touched his mouth with a live call and said to him now that this has touched your lips your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then Isaiah continued saying that he heard a voice, whom shall I send and who will go for us? To which Isaiah replied, here I am, send me. Then Isaiah was commissioned to speak to God's people because according to his own vision, he volunteered to be God's messenger to the people of his generation. So can we. We can be messengers of God's plan of reconciliation to the people of our own generation. And the good news, my sister and brothers, is that we don't have to bear the title of prophets to do this. We just need to be willing to become vessels Carrier of that wish of God to unite his people. Doesn't this sound like a good Advent project to you? Especially this liturgical season of Advent we just started a week ago. And Advent at a time when, we are so, when, we, when there are so many people in despair and anguish, hoping and waiting for good news the first lesson we read today. The prophet writes, comfort, oh, comfort my people. God is not just commissioning the prophet or the prophets. This is a commission that each and every one of us should embrace as our own. Because my sisters and brothers in Advent we prepare ourselves to celebrate one more year of the birth of Jesus. And at the same time, we labor with others to prepare the way for the kingdom he came to announce, doing whatever we can to bring him closer to its fullness. We can do that. And with God's help, we can do it. Amen.